Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everyone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we give you praise and honor and glory for this day, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for us yesterday, Father. We thank you, Lord, for being the Passover lamb for us, Father. We thank you, Lord, for loving us and thinking about us, Lord, for caring for us and taking care of us, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Almighty God. Father, I ask today that you be in us with this word. Guide us and teach us as we go through this word today, Father. Lord, thank you. Thank you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, everyone. Before we get started, uh, we're going to be reading today in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Before we get started, I just want to say, uh, yesterday was Passover. And uh, Passover, as you know, um, lasts for eight days. Now, you're going to run into Easter, which... Um, I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but uh, Easter is a pagan holiday. Um, it overshadows Passover, which is the actual holiday. Um, and basically, Christ was telling us to remember what he had done for us, to remember that this is the time when he gave up his life for us, for our sins, everything is done already. It's paid for. He paid for it on the cross. We just have to believe and walk in his belief. We have to walk in that belief. We have to trust. We have to obey and listen. And the only way we can do that is when we have a connection with him. And this is why it's so important that we stop and take time and make that connection every day, several times during the day. And eventually, you'll be so connected that it'll just happen. you just be sitting there and you can hear what the Lord's saying, what's going on. It'll just come to you. Just like if though you were having a conversation with someone sitting next to you. Take time this week, if you haven't already, and remember what the Lord has done for us. For without his blood, we wouldn't be as far ahead today as we are. Many of us would have been dead and gone. Many of us would have never been born, period. 
take time today and give him some glory and praise and honor that is due him. Amen? Amen, everyone. We're going to take a few minutes and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Lord. Lord, we praise you. Amen, everyone. Let's get started. <clears throat> we'll be reading from the chapters, 1 Corinthians, chapter 9. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us? Uh, this is Paul, and he is uh, dealing with the church of corn. Uh, many people um, have uh, risen up to him. Uh, wanting to see his credentials, you know, asking questions, whether he's really an apostle and et cetera, et cetera. And we have this today uh, when people come in 
to congregations or churches or wherever and people want to see uh, their credentials want to know whether they're truly people of god um what have they done etc etc you see nothing has changed under the sun as the lord says and here he is um defending himself and explaining things to the people uh, um, when you give up your life, your own life for others, to go forward, to do the things of the Lord, you know, your life gets put on the back burner and everyone else's life gets put forward because your interest is in making sure that you do as good a job as you can in getting them to accept Christ, our Savior, to know who he is so that they'll be saved. And, you know, people can really be, they can give you a hard time as you're trying to do this. Um... Uh, this is just man's nature. Man doesn't come to God, ooh, yeah, I'm ready, yeah, yeah. No, man comes kicking and, and screaming and punching and hollering and, you know. So, all right, let's, let's continue. <laughs> um, so he says, don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us? as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas, or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living, who serve as a soldier at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes, who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk, do I say this merely for a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it's written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. It is about the oxen that God is concerned. Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us because when the plowsmen plow and the thresher threshes, they ought to do it in hopes of stirring, uh, of sharing in the harvest. And if we have sown spiritual seeds among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this fact of support from you, if others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. I'm going to pause here for a minute because Paul was exceptional. And there are people out here much like Paul. Um, I have to say that I'm one of those people. I don't believe, um, it's not that I don't believe, but I feel strange 
um, taking a profit, even though the Lord says you should be given a profit. You should be given a payment for your work. I feel like the word of God should be, um, it's here. I mean, it's in the, 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 it's in his book. Um, not that his book is free. I mean, you have to buy a Bible to get the word most times. I mean, um, there are ministries that give out Bible free. So again, you can get it free or you have to pay for it, one of the two. But at any rate, the word is literally, in my point of view, free. <clears throat> and this is me. Yeah, you know, other ministers don't feel this way. But um, to me, uh, unless I'm out on the road and I'm uh, and I'm in need of housing or food or water like Jesus and the disciples did, then, you know, that's, that's the difference. But, um, when, you know, to me, when I'm, uh, just sitting and giving the word to others, um, I don't feel like, you know, I should be collecting anything from them. People have, uh, they have enough on their plate without adding more to it. However, if you are in a congregation, uh, in a church environment, um, where people uh, congregate and you're, you know, you got the electricity going, you got the, you know, bills, period, you're building up bills. <clears throat> yes, you should give. Uh, to the uh, minister or pastor or whatever, um, the church, so that they can uh, keep the doors of the church open. When I, what I mean by that is keep the electricity on and keep the water running so you can use the bathroom. Um, and that should be it. Uh, other things like, I have a problem with uh, ministers um, billing the public, billing their constituents, or goading their constituents into helping them buy TVs and airplanes and boats. And um, I, I have a problem with that. Because to me, that's, you know, that's not something that your congregation should be paying. That's, that's something you want. That's something you should pay for. But when it has to do with something uh, concerning the you and the congregation and the environment that you're in, that you're utilizing, uh, yeah, by all means. But there should not be a price put on. That's another problem I have with ministers with them putting price tags on things. Like uh, you walk in and they go, oh, we're taking up an offering today and we want X amount of dollars. No, uh-uh, no. Immediately, you know, I'm turned off by that. Um, the Lord tells you give what you can give. 
uh, out your pocket. Um, and this thing about the 10%, <laughs> I have a whole, uh, I have a whole thing about that. If you look through my podcast, you'll find out about it. I don't want to get into it today, but, um, that was for a specific time. And, uh, you know, ministers like to use that a lot. And no. You should give what you can give accordingly. And I always tell people, before you give, talk to your father. Talk to God. Say, Lord, you know, this, 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 and this. You know what's going on in my life. And I want to give, but I don't have, but so what do I give? Okay. And that's how I feel you should do it. Okay. All right, let's get back to the um, let's get back to the word here. Um, okay, I kind of lost my place. Let me back up a little bit. Okay. Okay, I'm going to go to uh, 10, 9, 10. Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us because when the plows, when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in hopes of sharing in the harvest. And if we have some spiritual seeds among you, is it too much for us? Is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have the right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all that more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Okay, that's where I stopped. Don't you know that those who worked in the temple get their food from the temple, and those who served at the altar share in what is offered on the altar. Absolutely. Okay. Um, in the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Okay. And there you go. Now, he's telling you those who preach the gospel should receive from the gospel. I myself, um, uh, unless, like I said, I'm on the road or something, you know, it's different. But I'm, I'm sitting at home and I'm preaching the gospel. I'm reading and teaching it to others. And I, uh, I you know, I, I had somebody say this to me. They sent me a message on my Facebook page and they said well uh, unlike some people who get paid to uh, to preach the gospel I don't and it was supposed to be a, a I guess a plug at me and actually you don't really make I don't know what they think I make on here but I really don't make a lot of uh, cash flow on here um not even enough to buy 
soda. <laughs> I don't do it for that purpose, no way. I do it because I want people to know who God is and how much he cares and loves us. Um, but I do get a little something, and I'm okay with that. If I need more, I'll pray and ask the Lord to supply more, and he will. I've prayed about certain things on this uh, podcast, and <laughs> and it, it happened. So, you know, I don't have any worries about that. But just wanting to say that because the Lord is telling you that those who preach the word should receive. However, they should not be gouging. They should not be putting a price on what they should get paid. He's just saying they should get paid. They get paid by whatever the congregation is able to give. Okay. All right. Um, But I have not used any of these rights, and I am not writing this in the hopes that you will do such things for me. I would rather die than have anything deprive me of this boast. Yet, when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not making use of my rights in preaching it. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. And to those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I become like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak, I become weak to win the weak. And I have become all these things to all men, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Do you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. 
They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Amen. Amen. And we're going to move on to chapter 10. It's called the warnings for Israel's uh, history. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they are passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drunk from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. Amen. And the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our feet on evil things as they did. Do not be idle, idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan rivalry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by destroying angels. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. I'm going to say this again. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And this is where your connection is so important. When these things happen, the Lord has already prepared a way out for you. You just have to hold on and continue to believe and pray. And nothing can uh, nothing can withstand it. 
Anything that's in the way of your prayer will get shaken up and thrown out. It will get moved out of your way. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourself what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? Let's read that again. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. We all know what idolatry is, okay? Anything that you put before the Lord, anything. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving from which we give thanks a participation in blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one loaf. Okay, so this uh, Passover, many of us took uh, the breaking of the bread, the body of Christ and our sins that were, uh, that he took on, um, and the wine or grape juice, whichever one, uh, you used was the blood and the water of Christ that was, uh, that was also shed that day. Um, and this was also done at the Lord's Last Supper. Uh, and this is really what is done for Passover. Um, uh, many of the churches take uh, sacraments and communion uh, different times of the year, excuse me, different times of the year, and um, this is the time of the year when really um, is the most important. Uh, you should take it. <laughs> it's, it's amazing when you sit down and think about. Um, I can't get into all the specifics at this moment because I've been uh, ironing things out in my head. Uh, you know, man makes things so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, redundant and religified, <laughs> if that's ever a word, but very religious-like. Um, some of the things that's, um, some of the things that's done during Passover time, I'm finding is more ritualistic and not actually what transpired during uh, 
during the Sabbath. When you read the scriptures, you know, some of this stuff, it, it just does not mention. Uh, the Lord does say that you should eat the bread and the meat and the bitter herbs. That is mentioned. But some of the other things that go on is not. And you realize it's, you know, it's things that man has done. But one of the things that stands out the most and is the most important of the whole entire uh, uh, they call it the Seder meal. Some people call it Seder meal. Some people call it the Last Supper. Um, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the thing that stands out the most is the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the wine or the grape juice in representation of Christ's body and blood. Okay? All right. Um Let's continue. 18, uh, 10, 18. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that a sacrifice offered to the idol is anything or that any idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Hmm. Nope. If you think you are, you have better check it. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Let's read that again. So people will understand exactly what's being said here, okay? Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. <coughs> Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Now, let's break it down even further. I'm going to read here exactly what the author has to say. Sometimes it is hard to know when to differ to the weaker believer. So Paul gives simple rules of thumb to help in the making decisions. We should be sensitive and gracious while some actions may not be wrong. They may not be the best interest of others. And we should think about others first before ourselves. 
While we have freedom in Christ, we should exercise our freedom of the cost of hurting a Christian brother or sister. And we should not, uh, we, uh, I'm sorry, we are not to consider only ourselves, but we must be sensitive to others for more on the proper attitude towards a weaker believer. See notes on 810 and 813. Okay. So he goes even further into this. Okay, so I just wanted to bring that out uh, to make it clearer um, that you would understand. And this, you know, now when we talk about uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, and I've said this before, you really, I mean, you know, if you're in the church setting, that's one thing. But if you're out on the street, you know, uh, you don't know brother or sister from sister or brother, okay? You don't know who's in Christ and who's not. And so you, um, this pertains to that too, you know. Um, you have to be careful because you don't know who God's children are. And no, everybody isn't um, mature. There are a lot of weak uh, Christians, well, babes, as we call them. And so you have to be careful for what you say, what you do, and your actions around them. When you see, and you'll see, you'll see it, uh, you say something and the way the person responds back to you lets you know uh, where that person actually is. Okay, let's move on. Um... Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising question or concern for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If some believers invite you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions or concern or or concerns. But if anyone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the man who told you and for, for the conscience' sake. And, oh, I'm sorry, uh, for the man, uh, um, <laughs> this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the man who told you and for the conscious sake. The other man's conscious, I mean, <laughs> not yours. <laughs> for why should my freedom be judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal, with, th with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? 
so whether you eat or drink or whether you do or whether you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jew, Greek, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I am not seeking my own um, good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Okay, I want to break that down. Uh, because I've said this before to people, and, you know, <laughs> some people get it and some people don't. Um, so let's go, this is 27. So Paul uh, gave one answer to the dilemma. Uh, to buy whatever means is sold at the market, whatever asked, whether it was offered to idols, it doesn't matter anyway, and no one's conscience would be in trouble. Uh, when we become too worried about our every action, we become legalistic and cannot enjoy life. Everything belongs to God, and he has given us all things to enjoy. If we know something is a problem, then we can deal with it. But we don't need to go looking for problems. People, today we have a situation where people are going looking for everything. The food, the water, the air we breathe, the clothes we wear, the stuff we put on our skin, it's gone overboard. The scare tactics. Oh, this is going to kill you because it's got this and that in it. And you can't eat this. Don't feed this to your kids because of yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is your belief system, people? God said that you could eat things that you know that is poisonous, but it will not kill you because of what? Because you are a child of the Lord and he is covering you and protecting you. So why are you so worried about what is being put in your food? Why are you worried about what and how things are grown? Is he not God? Do you not believe that he will take care of you and it? As long as you pray over that food and pray over the things that belong and pertain to you, do you do not, do you believe that he won't cover you and keep you? This is the problem that we're having today. And what does he say here? We become legalistic and we cannot enjoy life. People are not enjoying life today because they're so scared. They look in every different way. Oh, I can't eat this and I can't do that because of this, that, and the other. He didn't tell you to do that. That's his jurisdiction, not yours. He told you to pray. 
Let's read a little further. If we know something is a problem, in other words, if it's blatantly in our face that, oh yeah, this is a problem. I did do this. You know, I, I did. If a scientist gets on the TV and says, yeah, I put quinine or cyanine in in the apples that's being given out today, then yeah, okay. X that off your food list. Okay? Or pray over that food before you stick it in your mouth, asking the Lord to remove whatever he put in there out of it so you can eat it. Remember the man who drank the bitter water? He went, he took a stick that the Lord told him to get and he put it in the water and prayed over it. And after that, the men were able to drink it. The first time they tried to drink it, they spit it out and said, death. Death is in the water, right? But then when the Lord told him, go get the stick and put the stick in the water, <laughs> it was a stick, an herb stick that he stuck in the water. The stick pulled everything out of the water that was detrimental, right, to their health, and they were able to drink the water afterwards. So it's the same thing here, okay? Let's move on even further. <laughs> Why should we be limited by another person's conscience? Simply because we are to do all things for God's glory, even our eating and drinking. Nothing we do should cause another believer to stumble. Okay? This is uh, a problem with people today with uh, the food. You know, a lot of people have read the Old Testament and what God said we're to eat. Okay. That was at that point in time. People today eat that food. They eat pork. Pork was one of the things that was spoken of. And you have people that will make you feel uncomfortable. I ain't eating that. She didn't eat that. That's not good for you. The Bible tells you not to eat that. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. But what does he say about that? He says, don't make someone else uncomfortable because you don't believe they should be eating that thing. Okay. Nothing we do should cause another believer to stumble. See? We do what is best for others so that they might be saved. On the other hand, Christians should not make a career out of being the weaker person with oversensitive consciences. Christian leaders and teachers should Carefully teach about the freedom we have in matters not expressively forbidden by Scripture. Okay? So, 
it does not say come all the way about eating certain foods. It was at that point in time. In fact, Jesus comes forth later on and says, oh, whatever the Lord has created is all is all good, all good to eat. Is all good to eat because it was made by God. It was made by Jesus. Remember, all things on this earth created and made is created and made through his son, Christ Jesus. So if Jesus himself is telling you though all things is good because his father made it through him, then all things is good. You can eat them. Okay. Let's let's um let's move on. Okay. Uh we're going to finish up chapter 11 and then we will uh stop. I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the teachings just as I pass them on to you. Now I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. Every man. That means man and woman. And the head of every woman is man. Okay? He is speaking in terms of a man and a woman that are together here. Okay? Um... A lot of people take this and they misuse it, especially husbands. I know I'm going to get chewed out about this, but it's true. They'll take this pass and you go, well, I'm over you and you're supposed to be subservient and do what I say. And, and you don't have no say. I'm the one that, no, 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 no. Because God took the bone out of Adam and placed into Eve and they were one equal part, not separated. They were equal, okay? But woman does look to man, and man does look to woman for specific things, okay? Man cannot give birth to children. Only women can. Okay? Women were not gifted with strength. Yes, there are some women out here that are strong, but not the way men were. Men were gifted with a certain kind of strength, and women were not. Okay. Men are bronze, women is beauty. Hmm. Okay. Um, let's get back. And the head of and the head of Christ is God. Now, they're giving you the setup, the order in which he has uh placed things. So let's go back over to that. Uh, now I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. 
and the head of uh, the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. God, Christ, man, woman. Okay, that's the order. Every man who prays or prophecies with his head covered dishonors his head. And every woman who prays or prophecies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Let's go back over that. Every man who prays or prophecies with his head uncovered dishonors his head. And every woman who prays or prophecies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is just as have, uh, it is just as though her head were shaved. If a woman does not cover her head, she should have her hair cut off. And if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut or shaved off, she should cover her head. A man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Okay? Do we get an understanding on that? Okay? God created the woman because he did not want the man alone. Because the man would do things. He would get into things that he should not get into. Whereas a woman is, is the gate between him and those things. She's going to say, no, that's not a good idea. I don't think you should do that. She is going to guide him. And that's where the woman comes into place. And that's why they are equal. Okay. Um, for this reason, and because of the angels, the the woman ought to have a sign of authority on her head. Let's go back again. For did not come from woman, but Man, a woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. For this reason, and because of the angels, the woman ought to have a sign of authority on her head. In the Lord, however, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. So, you see, they are equal. For as women came from man, so also man is born of a woman. Okay? But everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves. 
Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him, but that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. For long hair is given to her as a covering. And if anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. Okay. Let's dig into this. Let's see. Uh, this was 11.11. 11. I'm going to uh, go into this a little bit more, but I'm going to uh, go to commercially come back. All right, everyone. I'll be back in a few minutes. Okay, everyone, with that. Okay, so um, we left off at 11. Well, let's just pick up at 11. Um, I really want to get into this. 11. Eleven, eleven. Uh, in the Lord, however, women are not independent of man nor so. Uh, these are the lines of authority. In order for God's cre created world to function smoothly, Okay, um, although there must be lines of authority, even in marriage, there should not be lines of superiority. God's created man and woman with unique and complementary characters, characteristics. Uh, one sex is not better than the other, okay? Uh, we must not let the issue of authority and submission become a wedge to destroy oneness in marriage. That's what I said a few minutes ago. Instead, we should use our unique gifts to strengthen our marriage and to glorify God. Amen. Amen. Uh, because of the angels, the women ought to have a sign of authority on her head. Uh, it means that a woman should wear a covering on her head as a sign that she is under the man's authority. And this is fact. Even the angels understood as they observed Christians in worship. Okay. And this is why in many of the churches, but they have pretty much a lot of women don't do it anymore. And, just, you know, here it is. Here's the reason why um, that women covered their heads. They wore hats. You know, a lot of the uh, Protestant Baptist churches, they wear hats. Um, in the synagogues, they they have scarves, okay? 
Um, and talking about head coverings and length of hair, Paul is saying that believers should look and behave in ways that are honorable within their own culture. Okay? Uh, in many cultures, long hair on men is considered appropriate and masculine. And in Corinth, it was though to be, thought to be a sign of male prostitution in the pagan temples. And the women with short hair were labeled prostitutes. Mm. Okay. Uh, Paul was saying that in Corinth culture, Christian women should keep hair, uh, keep their hair long. If short hair on women was a sign of prostitution, then a Christian woman with short hair would find it even more difficult to be a to be a believable witness for Jesus Christ. Paul wasn't saying we should adopt all the practices of our culture but that we should avoid appearances and behavior that distract from our ultimate goals of being believable witnesses for Christ Jesus while demonstrating our Christian faith. So if you're in a church and they do specific things um, and you go in there and you're just the opposite, you are causing a distraction because they don't do things that way. If you don't agree with what they're doing, but you say, oh, but their teaching is so good, but I don't agree, then don't stay there. And don't, if you're going to wear what you're wearing, uh, because you believe, I, I don't need to, you know, I don't need to dress up. To, I'm, I'm with you there, 100%. But that's what they believe. And so you don't want to be a deterrent. And you don't want them to say, oh, she's not a believer, even though you really are. Uh, and cause them to stumble and fall because they're gossiping and whispering about you. Okay? Because, see, you're making, you're making them, brothers and sisters, fall. Because they believe, oh, that you should cover your head and wear your dress long. And so then don't go there. Go somewhere else that teaches just as well, but you're able to be comfortable yourself in your faith. Okay? Everyone got that. Okay. Um, let's move on to 17. In the following dis directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. And when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another, eat, uh, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? 
Or do you despise the house of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Uh, Certainly not. For I receive from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my body. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, I just saw something very interesting. (laughs) And I was just saying about how close we can get to the the actual things that transpired during that Passover evening. And it says... uh, Uh, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way after after I'm I'm putting the emphasis on after supper he took the cup saying So he broke the bread during supper, but he didn't drink the wine till after supper. It was literally the closing, and I will remember this next year when I do the breaking of the bread. Um, I will emanate that in what I'm doing uh, because I really want to... um, I want to get as close to what was done that night. I mean, that's for me. That's not for anybody else. I'm just saying, for those of you who are like that, by all means, I just want to bring that in uh, into your thought, um, that he actually, he actually took the cup after supper. After supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my body. Do this. So the breaking of the bread and eating the meal and all that, that was him going through destruction on the cross. Uh, The breaking of his, uh, the breaking of the bread. Okay. Um, Breakdown of man's sins and all that he's going through afterwards. And then after that, after supper, he was given the cup of wine, which says uh, uh, he he was given the cup of wine to drink.
Okay. Uh, <clears throat> All right. Uh, let's go back to where it was now. Um, so I just want to bring that into um, into the light. Uh, as many times as I have read this, I kind of missed that. Uh, thank you, Lord. Okay, let me find my place here. Okay, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. Okay, falling asleep means dead. But if we judge ourselves, we would not uh, if we judge ourselves that is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being uh, disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brother, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further direction. Okay. <clears throat> um, I'm going to pick up from where I left off uh, <clears throat> I'm going to, <laughs> I have my own um, thoughts on this matter. Um, I, I've always said that you should pray before you take the sacraments, before you um, break the bread and drink the wine. Um, you should come first to God and clear all things, your sins. Um, then you should take the cup. Because the Lord tells you don't come to the altar if you have an offense of any kind. And that goes the same when you take his sacraments, his bread and the wine. Okay, I'm going to read a little here from what the author says. The Lord's Supper is a visible representation of the good news of death of Christ for our sins. It reminds us of Christ's death and glorifies our hope of his return. 
our participation in its strength, our faith through fellowship with Christ and with believers. Now, Paul allows that there might uh, Paul allows that there might be differences among the church members when they de- when they develop into self willing divisions. <laughs> they are destructive to the congregation. In other words, separating themselves into different groups. Um, And this is what happens in a lot of the churches and congregations. And then the fight begins and you've got a split in your church. Those who cause division only serve to highlight those who are genuine believers. And when the Lord's Supper was uh, celebrated in the early church, it included a feast of fellowship meal followed by the celebration of communion. Let's go back a little bit. When the Lord's Supper was celebrated in the early church, it included a feast of fellowship meals. And churches today still do this. Some of them still do this. Followed by the celebration of communion. Uh, some do it backwards. Some do the communion first and then they have the fellowship afterwards. <laughs> in the church in Corinth, the fellowship meal had become a time when some ate and drank excessively while others went hungry. There was little sharing and caring. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's, yes, it's definitely still happens. This certainty did not demonstrate the unity and love that should characterize the church, nor was it a preparation for the communion. Paul condemned these actions and reminded the church of the real purpose of the Lord's Supper. What does the Lord's Supper mean? The early church remembered that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper on the Right of the Passover meal, just as Passover celebrated deliverance from slavery in Egypt, so the Lord's Supper celebrates deliverance from sin by Christ's death. Now, Christians pose several different possibilities for what Christ meant when he said, this is my body. Some believe that the wine and the bread actually become Christ's physical body, uh, blood and body. And others believe that the bread and the wine remain unchanged. But Christ is spiritually present with the bread and the wine. And still others believe that the bread and the wine symbolizes Christ's body and blood. Christians generally agree, however, that the participation in the Lord's Supper is an important element in the Christian faith and that Christ's presence, however we understand it, strengthens us spiritually. Okay. Uh, What is this new covenant? In the old uh, covenant, people could approach God only through the only through the priest and the sacramental system, sacrificial system. Uh, Jesus' death on the cross ushered in the new covenant or agreement between God and us. And now all the people can can uh, personally 
approach God and communicate with him. The people of Israel first entered into this agreement after the exodus from Egypt. Are we hearing this? The people of Israel first entered into this agreement after their exodus from Egypt. Okay? They were already talking to God. <laughs> okay. And it was designed to point to the day when Jesus Christ would come. The new covenant completes rather than replaces the old covenant. Completes, not replace. A lot of churches believe it replaces. It doesn't. It completes. Fulfilling everything. The old covenant locked, uh, looked for forward to the old covenant look forward to see Jeremiah 31 31 eating the bread and drinking the cup shows that we are remembering Christ's death for us and renewing our commitment to serve him Jesus said do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. How do we remember Christ in the Lord's Supper? By thinking about what he did and why he did it. And if the Lord's Supper becomes just a ritual or a pious habit, it is no longer it's no longer remembers Christ and it loses its significance. Let's go back to this because there's a problem here. I want people to hear this. It says, by thinking about what he did and why he did it. If the Lord's Supper becomes just a ritual, and this is the problem today with Passover and many of the sacred holidays, it has become a ritual. Okay? And it should not be. It's to be, it's to be a thought, thinking, you're thinking about him. So that means you're thinking about him and the things that you do, you do in glorification of him, not because it's something that you have to do in a, um, in a succession of things, uh, that has to be done because, no, now it's become ritualistic. And when it becomes ritualistic, it's no longer uh, remembrance of him. It's just something that you have to do. Is Am I clear on that? And so that's why for myself and for many people out here now, is searching to see... How was the Passover actually uh, done? And uh, just just how was it performed according to the scriptures? Okay. I realize, uh, not to step on anybody's feet, I realize, you know, you have the Seder meals and all that stuff. But that has become, in my own words, it has become ritual, uh, ritualistic. Um, it's something that has to be done just right, and it just 
it's it's ritualistic. It's not um, to me. It's not remembrance. Uh, it's not in remembrance of him. Uh, it's not. Uh, you're not really remembering him or glorifying him as you should. Okay. Um, I know I'm going to get some flack behind that, but that's my thought, my, my thought pattern on this at this point in time. Okay. Um, let's see. Where am I? 23. Paul gives specific instructions on how the Lord's Supper should be observed, and we should take the Lord's Supper thoroughly. Uh, because we are proclaiming that Christ died to our sins and we should take it worthily with due reverence and respect. We should examine ourselves for any um, for any kinds of sin or uh, any rep uh, well uh, let me put it this way for any kind of sin or any kind of um, resentful attitude. We are to be properly prepared based on our beliefs in the love for Christ, and we should be consecrated. Uh, sorry, we should be considerate of others. What consecration is on my mind? Uh, waiting until everyone is there and then eating in an orderly and unified manner. Now, if you are doing uh, any kind of dinner, uh, dinner before dinner is given, even if it's sitting on the table, before anybody can partake of it, uh, uh, prayer is done first, and so there should not be any eating of any kind uh, until that prayer is, is performed. Um, I mean, you know, you pray over your food before you eat it, right? So you should not be eating before you pray. It's just that simple. Uh, but at this point in time, this is what he's saying, that the people were eating like they were hungry. They were starving um, before, you know, they prayed over this food uh, and gave the glory to God for the food period. Um, so there was some things going on there that wasn't quite right. Um, uh, let's see what else does he say here. Uh, <coughs> when Paul said that no one should take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, he was speaking to the church members who were rushing into it without thinking of its meaning. Those who did so were guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Instead of honoring his sacrifice, they were sharing in the guilt of those who crucified Christ. In reality, no one is worthy to take the Lord's Supper. We are all sinners saved by grace. Amen. And this is why we should prepare ourselves for communion through healthy introspect, introspection, confession of sins and 
revolution of differences with others. So before taking the meal, you should pray that the Lord forgive you of your sins and of any harsh feelings you have for anyone. You should ask for forgiveness of those things. These actions remove the barriers that affect our relationship with Christ and with other believers. Awareness of your sins should not keep you away from communion, but should drive you to participate in it. Without recognizing the body of the Lord means not understanding what the Lord's supper means and not distinguishing it from a normal meal. Those who do so condemn themselves, okay? Falling asleep is another way of describing death, that some of the people have died and many have been a special uh, supernatural judgment on the corn church. Uh, this type of disciplinary judgment highlights in, <coughs> excuse me, and <clears throat> seriousness of the communi- communion service. The Lord's Supper is not to be taken lightly. Um, and this new covenant cost <clears throat> Jesus his life. Um, the Lord's Supper is not to be taken lightly. This new covenant cost Jesus his life. And it's not a meaningless ritual but a sacrament given by Christ to help strengthen our faith, okay? So we should not make our meals into a ritual. Okay, um, let's speed this up a little bit. Let's see. Uh, <clears throat> People should come to this meal uh, desiring to fellowship with other believers and prepare for the Lord's Supper to follow, not to fill up on a bigger dinner. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home, means that they should eat dinner beforehand so as to come to the fellowship meal in the right frame of mind. The spiritual gift given to each person by the Holy Spirit. Well, we're going to stop here. I was getting ready to go into something else, but that's for the next time. But so that you understand um, this meal that we're partaking of, yes, it's a meal, but at the same time, you know, um, you should come to the meal thinking of God and what he has done for you, not just to eat a meal. It is a meal that we partake of that is of God. It is him. It is him giving of himself 
to save the world. Okay. All right, everyone. I hope that this was uh, a blessing to many of you uh, who have questions uh, about Passover. Um, it, strangely enough, it was on my mind when I opened this morning and here it is for us laid out. And I'm really glad that um, that was the case. Let's pray out. Father, we thank you, Almighty God, for this word today. It's been a blessing to me and to those who are listening in. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for all that you do for us, for looking out for us and caring for us, being there for us every day. Father, we give you the praise and honor and glory. Most do you, Almighty God. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, everyone. This is Minister MacMillan. Uh, just want you to know, uh, for those of you who would like to reach out, you can at mcmillian 75 at gmail.com or you can reach me on my Facebook page. This is Minister MacMillan saying have a blessed evening, everyone, and good night.